0: it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: You need, you need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get In the Huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaConfora. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle. We're counting down to the end of the NFL season. Carl Dukes put him up, along with my man Jason LaCampora. Brian Baldinger will be here on Thursday, guys. We'll look ahead to another week of NFL games. But we got to start with what we saw last night. And Jason, look, you've been on this this Patriots thing, right? You've been saying for weeks now, they're lousy offensively. They don't do anything that excites you. And last night, I damn near fell asleep watching the Patriots again because I was like, this is boring football. And Mac Jones didn't even throw a touchdown last night, man. I mean, this is pathetic.
2: Yeah, they look, they won ugly, and that's all they're going to care about, right? is they're, they're seven and six, and they're in the hunt. Um, but it's a really limited roster, it's a really limited football team. Matt Patricia, you know, is impersonating an offensive coordinator, he isn't actually one. And Mac Jones just continues to regress. Um, it was a, yeah, I mean, look, guys getting hurt left and right. It, it was a tough, it was, it was a tough game to swallow on a lot of levels. And Arizona's a phony football team. They've been a phony football team all season. I've been telling you that since August. Um, and big changes are necessary there. And I, I think ownership's going to have to make moves. I don't think they're going to have a choice because um, they're going to lose their fan base. People are not signing up for another year of this Cliff Kingsbury stuff. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's a road win in December for the Patriots, right? Like, they don't have to apologize for that. But it's hard to look at them and and see them as a team that is going to win games in January. I, I, I just... Even if they get in, I, I I just don't see it. Yes, Judon Anuche can rush the passer. Sure, um, you know they've got a, a really good corner, Whew. but that ain't enough.
1: It's not. And even if they were to make the playoffs, they're in, they're in the hunt. I, they're one and done. I mean, I don't yeah. buy them winning any playoff games. I don't care where it is. So you know, I, I think this is just one of those situations where you look at this team and you see the flaws. And speaking of changes, I'm curious to see if Belichick makes any changes with his staff. Like, let's talk about the genius of Belichick for a second. He got this wrong. I know he he got this whole offensive coordinator thing wrong. And does he have the balls to change this in the offseason, regardless of his relationships with Joe Judge and and Matt Patricia? That's what I really want to know. Like, if you're serious about being better
2: and getting where you need to be, those changes need to be, be made on the Patriots side. Well, he can be stubborn to a fault. He can be his own worst enemy with some of his personnel moves and certainly with some of his cronyism in the coaching staff um, and or nepotism. But the one thing about him is he, he, he admits mistakes. He, he admits mistakes on trades. He admits mistakes with uh, draft picks, right? He'll move on from a guy pretty quickly when he determines he's not really a part of the solution. And maybe his old buddy Bill O'Brien's looking for a job because, you know, maybe he's not uh, the answer in Alabama. Yeah. There'll be other guys available. I I would be surprised if he doesn't have somebody else calling offensive plays for him next year. Um, but there's, there's nothing to hang your hat on offensively. I mean, they can run the ball okay. Like, they can run the ball pretty well. But now, you know Harris and, and uh, Stevenson are hers. I, I, um, and really, it's ultimately all about a quarterback. And and I, the more I see of Mac Jones, the less I like him. And that's not what you want from a first round quarterback. Jason Lock on four
1: guys. Subscribe to In the Huddle. We talk all things NFL. We go behind the scenes, we give you the stories, and more importantly, it's all year. I mean, we do it all year long, offseason, certainly now leading into the playoffs. All right, you have to learn how to win in the NFL. Buffalo's showing me that they've got some warts. Mm -hmm. Every team does, but you're able to cover those up in certain instances with players and how you play and scheme. So the Jets are trying to learn how to win. Mike White got killed this weekend. And I'm looking at this game and I'm going, should I truly believe in Buffalo? Because I've been a a, a Bills mafia guy since the start of the season with the personnel they have, Jason. But I'm looking at this and I'm going, all right, why is this offense struggling? What's going on with Buffalo? Or was this a, a case where, listen, you just had two great defenses in the Jets and the Bills. This was a slugfest.
2: And then they made a couple of plays. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a divisional game. It's December. It's a team that in the Jets that beat them just a few weeks ago. Um, I didn't think it'd be a high-scoring affair. I I thought the 10 points was spread was egregious. Uh, The Bills, you said it, they have warts. They don't look as good now as as they did in late September, early October. They've suffered their fair share of injuries, Um, Josh Allen included. Look, if they get the one seed and you have to go through Orchard Park, I, I, I think you, you still, you know, have to fancy their chances. If if they have to go to Cincinnati and go to Arrowhead, etc., um, you know, that, that that one seed carries some um real cachet with it. That that buy and that home field advantage is is significant. Um I at some point I think they'll get Healthier on defense. Um, the thing about the Bills, though, is I, I think they can win in different ways. We've seen them lean into the run game a whole lot more in the last four or five weeks, and they can do some interesting things there. We know uh, when Josh Allen's healthy, what that pass game can look like, and and it's it's a legitimate it's a legitimate defense. So, yeah, um, you know, not a lot of style points for them this last month or so. But they've still managed to win a lot of football games, and they still have uh, a legitimate shot to be that one seed. Um, But it's not Josh Allen running away with an MVP like some of us would have thought, you know, six, seven weeks in. Um, And it's been a a defense that's really had to adjust to injuries up front, you know, now the the Von Miller thing, Um, you know, linebackers like Milano and Edmonds being in and out of the lineup, and obviously the secondary between the safeties and corner has there's been injuries seemingly since the start of the year, they're significant injuries. So for them to be where they are right in the thick of it, I I say hats off. It's a great organization. Um, McDermott does a great job. Brandon Bean does a great job, but the idea that they were going to sort of like it was going to be them in Kansas city and everybody else in the I'm I'm just not sure that, it isn't, you know, Kansas City and Buffalo and Cincinnati and then everybody else. And the drop off and then everybody else might not be as huge as we thought it was going to be.
1: I'm glad you brought up Cincinnati. I'm all in on Joe Burrow for MVP. Now, I'm not disrespecting mm-hmm. what Jalen Hurts has done because he's been amazing. His team's winning. They secured a playoff spot. Uh, they could easily, you know, finish up this division. They get the best overall record. Yep. All those things are still in front of the Eagles. And it's, it's a lot to do with Jalen Hurts. But since that 0-2 start for Cincinnati, this dude's been different. I mean, J- J- yeah. uh, Joe burrow has been different. And I think for me, I said this to Baldy, you know, to go on the road and beat the Titans without Mixon and Chase was one thing. And then you come back and then you beat the Chiefs at home. And I'm saying to myself, Why is he not getting the respect that he Mm -hmm. should be getting when it comes to this MVP chase? Bengals beat the Browns 23-10. Is he putting this team on his back and just literally going to lead them to the playoffs and maybe another Super Bowl run?
2: Well, I think so, you know, I mean, especially if this keeps up, you know, obviously in this game, you know, Chase is back for a few weeks, but then um, all the other receivers are are hurt, right? And there's this kid Irwin running around making 30-yard plays. and. Um, it's it's kind of a, a cast of people around it, right? Hayden Hurst banged up, Higgins plays like one snap, Boyd gets banged up, and it wasn't. This was another one where the you know he didn't win the box score. Like it, he was nine of twenty one in the first half, right? Like with the turnover, I mean, it was not. It was tough sledding for them. And the Browns' defense gives them fits traditionally. This was Burrow's first win over them. But that's another one where they just had to see it through. They had to find a way to win the game. Um, but, like, now on defense, Wuzier's been out for a while, their best corner. You know, and now Trey Henderson's going to miss some time, their best pass rusher. Do they have the stuff in the moxie to overcome that? Because last year was a magic carpet ride, and they really didn't suffer any significant injuries, right? Logan Wilson missed a few weeks, felt like that was it. We've already seen them do it in different ways this season when, when injuries hit other position groups. So I, I I do believe in them. I do believe in Joe Burrow. Um, And, and they have taken on his identity. That's a franchise that for decades found a way to come up small in a big spot. And Joe Burrow is just the ultimate big moment, big game player. Um, He's that smiling assassin and it would not shock me. If they catch the Ravens, they win that division, and they're the one seed in the conference. Like they get the buy. I, I I don't think you can discount their chances.
1: Yeah, I, I don't either. I think they're dangerous right now. They're playing with a lot of confidence, and Burrow's on top of his game. It's a reason why I believe the Bengals are going to be a problem in the playoffs. Carl Dukes, Jason Lock on four. It's in the huddle. Follow Jason on Twitter on social media, and follow this. Uh, podcast guys, like us, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you guys, and we appreciate all the feedback. And more importantly, we put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Cowboys got away with one, didn't they? Yeah, they, yeah. they probably should have lost to the Texans. Texans yeah. just weren't good enough to finish it. But I thought they got away with one. They stole one yeah. on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I mean the Texans don't have a sixty-minute roster, right? They've got like a, I don't know, a twelve-minute roster or a twenty-two-minute roster. Uh, and as things progress and as that sample expands, they're just a losing operation. from the top on down, I don't think they care about winning football games. That's not the, the, that's not in the locker room. It's not the players, but the people who have sort of sculpted that thing and scripted that thing, the people who control the roster, the people who control the payroll, people who control transactions, they're not, they don't, they're not, they don't want to do things that are going to, um. Prioritize winning this week over the master plan, which is widespread losing and accumulation of draft capital. So that's just who they are. That's what they are. Um, they've got one win. You know, it kind of speaks for itself. This team, um, the defense has really bowed up the last three or four weeks, but they don't have a quarterback. You know, the run game's dried up because it's all they could do. And they, they, you know, Chris Moore had himself a nice game. You know, Brandon Cooks pops once every five or six weeks, but they don't. They, they, they don't have. The talent to to win downfield they don't have the quarterbacks they don't have the pass catchers um, and again i would say that's completely by design so yeah dallas found a way to win houston found a way to lose Um, uh, maybe it's a wake-up call for the cowboys maybe it's indicative of that hype train being a little um overboard i don't buy the dallas cowboys in big spots right i don't buy them in january they're gonna have to make a run to get me to believe. Is this the 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 most balanced team they've had in a long time? Sure. Uh but I I got to see it to believe it with them. I I just feel like there's something about them that makes me think um when things start to go well and 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 you know Jerry's smiling ear to ear like the other shoe's going to drop. You know, I I don't know that there's there's the right mentality and from ownership there. I I think he's so willing and eager to buy into the hype whenever he's given a chance that, you know, the, the message is, is always the carrot and never the stick.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check.
1: about the Vikings the way you feel about the Cowboys I I buy the Cowboys but you know the Vikings game and the Lions game was a prime example of what I've kind of been talking about all season they had lost to the Eagles they lost to the Cowboys two really good teams and you go okay and then here come the Lions and the Lions put up 34 on this Vikings defense which has been getting shredded terrible And, and and you know, I saw this playing out, and I'm like, this is why I felt the way I felt about the Vikings. And I kept thinking Kirk Cousins was going to make a play. He didn't. And Jarrett Goff is playing his ass off right now, Jason. I mean, I don't know what he's yeah. do- what they're doing. Uh, we talked about the OC and and, yes. and Johnson. He's playing his butt off right now.
2: Especially at home. When they're at home and the crowd's behind them and, and they've got uh, the run game going and they're on the fast track. They're a really hard offense to slow down. I mean, it is a legit offense. And Jared Goff at home is a top five quarterback. Now they've struggled, you know, outside the dome a little bit. And, you know, this Dan Campbell regime, they finally started, but they finally won their first road game just a few weeks ago. So maybe they're getting that monkey off their back. Um, this is an interesting spot for them against the Jets. And we don't know the Jets quarterback situation just yet. And even if Mike White plays, he's not going to be 100%. And that game's a pick 'em. Um, I feel like the Lions have something going on there, though, that they believe in um, and that they've turned the corner from one of those teams that will just pee down their leg in the fourth quarter to a team now that seems to have a will to persevere. Um, and the defense has gotten better. Like the defense has certainly made strides from where they were in, in you know, the end of October. First half of the season, you could pretty much hang 30 points on without trying. That's not the reality anymore. Um yeah, they're a really hard team to defend, obviously. Uh the run scheme is unique. Golf is not turning the ball over. Uh, you know, and, and there's some talent there. There's some talent there at wide receiver. There's some guys who are willing to make plays. And um I don't know about you, Carl, but like I think they might be the third best team in the NFC right now. <laughs> I do. Like, I, I do. don't I mean, no no worse than the fourth. Now that doesn't even mean they're going to get in the playoffs because right all those early season losses have put them behind the eight ball. But like I look at them and say, all right, who could win multiple games in the play? Like, who do I buy in January? Like I buy the lions more than the Vikings. I buy the lions even more than the 49ers right now because you know, now Brock Purdy's hurt too. Like yeah. you, eventually you run out of quarterbacks. Um, I don't buy, there's nothing else in the, A in the NFC West to buy. Um, the Lions, for me, right now, are the best team in their division. The NFC South is just a complete train wreck. I mean, that's no joke. a joke of a division, you know. And and I I think the Lions, you know, do I like them more than the Eagles? No. Do I think they could beat everybody else, um, in a new one-off neutral site game in the NFC East? I do, including the Cowboys. I do. So, they they're maybe the most interesting team in the NFL to me right now. I'm I'm captivated by what they're turning into and how they flip this switch um, right around mid season and took a little engine that could right now. And, and I would fear them. I wouldn't want to face them with my season on the line. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah. The lions
1: that listen, I think there are teams that are peaking at the right time and depending on where they end up going, if they make the playoffs, we'll see. But, but right now here's the deal. They're scoring points. And you got to go into a game and say we got to stop them and, and and limit them to less than twenty points because they're putting up thirty on everybody right now. Yeah. So that's the danger with the Lions. Now, are they going to give up points? Yeah, they gave up points uh, against the Vikings, but the but they're not giving up as much as they're getting. And you know you can give up twenty twenty three if you're not giving up twenty seven a game, you got a shot. And right now, that's kind of where they are. It's in the huddle, guys. Let's talk about uh, the the Titans and Jags. Trevor Lawrence. taking the next step and you see it I I think you know Doug Peterson doesn't get enough credit when it comes to this that's why I thought it was a good hire when they hired him Lawrence got you know stumped with Urban Meyer last year that was a joke but now you're starting to see his development and how he's making the throws he needs to make I thought this might have been his best game as a pro they beat the Titans 36 22 and I'm, I'm like what's going on with the Titans
2: falling apart they well, are. I mean, they fired their GM a week ago, right? Ownership is flexing its muscles, and um, I think ownership probably thinks it knows a whole lot more about um, how to build a winning football team than it really does. Uh, we'll find out, you know, who, who replaces John Robinson, and we'll find out about the direction of the team. But, you know, they their scoring differential has indicated all year that, they're prob- that, that Mike Vrabel – Gets the most out of them in big spots, but over 18 weeks, is that one of the better teams in football? No, their net touchdown differential would tell you the same thing would tell you they're not even the best team in their division. And, and they're not, um, they just got punked by Jacksonville. They face each other again in a couple of weeks. Um, the Titans are one of these teams that are badly stuck in the middle. Like they're in the worst spot possible. Um, it's hard to get out of. And the reality for that football team is, especially when you fire your, your GM and and you need to evaluate your roster, because when you fire your GM in December, even if you're in first place in your division, ownership's telling you this isn't a winning team. I don't think we can win a damn thing. I, I'm not caught up in playoff revenue. I'm caught up in charting a new course for the franchise. Well, that would also tell you, bench the old quarterback and play the one you just drafted. Like, it's a lot like the situation you're in in Atlanta. Like, Atlanta, at the time they did this, and they did it later, at least three, four weeks later than they should have, but they finally did it because it's like, all right, well, even if we win this crappy division at 7-10 and 10 or whatever, where are we going with Marcus Mariona? Like, where are we going with this roster? And I would say the same thing about Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's defense is better than Atlanta's, at least at admin, but they're running out of players and running out of steam on that side of the ball as well. Um I, I mean I I like don't you think the new GM would want to see a month of Malik Willis to because to fi- he's he's gotta figure out the quarterback position. Like he didn't do the deal with Tannehill. He didn't yep. he didn't keep that band-aid going. You know, it's just very it's people don't hold owners accountable enough. This same ownership group evaluated their franchise four months ago and said we are a winning franchise. This is a winning roster and extensions for everybody. (laughs) Yes. You know, that's like this wasn't like Denver where the owners come in and like there's already been a coach who was just hired, right? And they inherited GM and they take over in October and they line up the quarterback, but everything else was sort of bequeathed to them. This, you made this thing. Like you were the architect of it and you're in first place in your division three quarters of the way through the season. And you pumped on your GM. like, And I think that sends a message to the locker room, and I, I think that speaks for itself. And that looks to be a team that is falling apart. Now, will they fall apart enough to let Jacksonville overtake them? I don't know. Um, but that was a day where in the first half they could there was no answers for Derrick Henry. And the second half, the Titans could not score a point. I mean, they could not move the football they could not score a point. Burke's getting hurt. I mean, there's some stuff. I get it. You know, it's not all roses and cookies. And they, and guess what? That's the NFL. Um, but I think you have to really look at that whole organization and say, like, where are they? And, you know, instead of doubling down with Tannehill, was that the time to really start a rebuild and, and start to chart a new course? Because Derrick Henry's not going to run for 2,000 yards every year. He's not going to hold up to 400 touches a year like he's not superhuman
1: yeah Vrabel
0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: You know, he can't be the GM. I said this to Balder the other day. I'm just not a firm believer in coach GM. It just doesn't work. Um, And and there are numerous examples. So whether he has his stamp or his fingerprint on where it goes, and he will if he stays, I I think the bigger thing is, to your point, they didn't make the move they needed to make. And and listen, sometimes I, I wonder what these teams and organizations are thinking. I would have moved on from Ryan Tannehill in the offseason, yeah. right? In the offseason, you went into a playoff game last year where Joe Burrow and the Bengals come in and your quarterback play was terrible. And some people say, well, it was just one game. No, go look at Tannehill's career. He's good in games that <laughs> don't mean anything. But in these games that have mattered, he's never been great. And I think, you know, sometimes you just don't want to believe the evidence in front of you. So well, I'm a big believer. They, they made the mistake of not moving on. When they should have there, and then you and then you turn right back around, Jason, to your point, and you draft Malik Willis.
2: What the hell? Well, and look, if you're willing to let, like you let Jonu Smith walk a couple of years ago, not that he's a dominant great player, but boy, he really fit what they did, and they like to get nasty with two and three tight ends. So you 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 allow, you don't want to pay the freight, you weaken your tight end room. You, you trade A.J. Brown at the draft, right, Who who yep. is an absolute beast, a difference maker, one of the elite playmakers in this league. But you stick with the old quarterback and you stick with this hodgepodge roster and then you're somehow shocked in, <laughs> you know, mid-December that you're not one of the best teams in the league and that, you know, you, you had a stretch of time where that team played way over their head for a minute, but, like, there's some serious flaws there, and that's when like you have this eureka moment before the Philadelphia game, and then you fire your GM three days, four days later. I, I it doesn't add up to me. It doesn't. It doesn't add up. And you know, if you still had AJ Brown, and you know you 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 had you added a couple of pieces instead of subtracted, you know you might have been able to at least do what you had done in the past with Tannehill. And be one of the last eight teams standing, or something like that, and have a real chance. But I don't, I don't get it, man. It doesn't add up. And I guess, I guess they still win that division. Um, but it's hard to take them seriously as a franchise right now. Let's shift gears. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes. It's in the huddle.
1: Our man, Brian Baldinger, part of this as well, guys. As we look back at what happened this past weekend, we literally have four weeks left, right? Week 15, 16, 17, 18. And then we're going to be talking about the playoffs here. Philadelphia beats up on the Giants. They were damn near perfect offensively, right? 48-22 was the final score. I I didn't feel like the Giants had a chance in this game going into it. Um, But... The Giants, you know, you look at them and you go, all right, what, what's changed? Why is this not working? Is, has the league just caught up to them? Or now we're seeing the fact that they don't have any wide receivers to stretch the field. Yeah. Daniel Jones can't do what we thought. This is just the simplicity well, of, of, you know what? This Barkley's is what we're a about the Giants.
2: You know, they rode Barkley really hard the first yeah. half of the season. Yeah. And coming out of that bye where he touched the ball a million times in that game, they barely won against the Texans. And it's really been diminishing returns since then. Yeah, I mean they 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 weren't supposed to be as good as they were, and that was you know a, a, all credit to their determination, their willpower, uh, and to what Brian Dable was bringing out in them. But there's not a whole lot of there there. It's just there's not a lot of talent on that roster. Um, you know, it was a very different scheme defensively than what the Giants have looked like for a long time. But everybody's seen Wink Martindale there now for three months right and it's live by the sword die by the sword with the blitz and they've been dying by it more lately than living by it um they were able to make um, amazing halftime adjustments for most of the season but you know when you got back up after backup it it it's tough and that that's a quarterback who i think could be like a tannahill If you have a great play action game and you have a couple of tight ends and you have at least one stud receiver and you have that running game, they don't really have any of that going right now. So I don't even know how you evaluate Daniel Jones in this thing other than, you know, you hope he continues to make plays with his legs and make smart decisions. Doesn't turn it over a ton, but there's not a lot of thoroughbreds in that stable, man. Um, there's a lot of plow horses, and there's a lot of you know what I mean. There's a lot of horse and buggy, you know, carriers, but yeah, yeah, yeah. they're it, it, you know, and and there's they they've got a tough little gauntlet here that they're running schedule wise. Um, so yeah, I think it's all caught up with them, and I think this rematch with Washington is going to be a little more lopsided than that 2020 game that they played a couple weeks back, and you've got Washington coming off the bye. Um, I think it's going to be tough sledding for the Giants here down the stretch. Should
1: the Eagles be the Super Bowl favorite? They're the best team in the NFL right now.
2: I mean, if I I I, I couldn't argue with it if if they are, you know, if if that's what any particular sports book has, if that's what a lot of people who follow this league, um, if they've got them atop the power rankings, I can't argue with that. They've it's a talented roster, it's a well coached team. Um, They've got an MVP quarterback uh, and they can beat you in different ways. They're not one of these teams that, oh, they can't play from behind or, oh, they stink when they get a lead or, oh, their opening game scripts are terrible or, oh, wow, like Minnesota. Whoa, wow, those first couple drives look pretty good. But then what the hell happens? Like that's not the Eagles are none of those things. Um, and the Eagles can win it in a bunch of different they can win like, they don't need one style of fight to win. They can win in a bunch of different styles. And that's why, yeah, I, I would I would put them in that top spot.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, Jalen Hurts, as we talk about uh, the Eagles, and I do think they're the the Super Bowl faves, I do think they're going to, you know, the best team right now in the NFL. Now, we'll see. They, they get a chance to play Dallas again on Christmas Eve, and that's going to be a big game. But I just love the demeanor of, of Jalen Hurts. And mm-hmm. think about this. Burrow's similar. Hertz is similar. And what I mean is they're even kill Yep. Even in on their 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 worst plays or their bad, you know, series. Yes. You just don't know it. Like you can't tell. They're not fussing and screaming and yeah. hollering. They walk off the field and you're like, did he just throw a pick? And he comes back out and he throws a touchdown. And you just wouldn't even know. And I think that's important because. That's what I'm starting to see with Trevor Lawrence, like the mistakes. Mm -hmm. okay, made one. I'm going to come back and just correct it and make a play. Those things matter. And I think those guys end up being the best guys. You know, they're just never too high, never too low. And I'm looking at Burrow and I'm watching his demeanor and his makeup. And it's why I love watching him. And Jalen has a very similar kind of thing as to how he goes about his business.
2: Yeah, I I would say they're unflappable. They're unflappable in the face of adversity. They're unflappable when it seems like, you know, everything just goes their way and they're riding this magic carpet ride. I think they have a a lot of uh, self-awareness and I think they have a lot of team awareness and it allows them to sort of stay in the moment and understand that it's not always going to be this good. It's not always going to be that bad. But if I let that affect me one way or the other, it's going to have a negative impact on my ability to maximize the returns from this team uh, any given Sunday or Monday or Thursday. So, yeah. And then I think that that mindset becomes contagious because that's the, that individual the one who has the ball in his hands more than anybody else. And if, if that's how he handles these situations, then that might be how we handle these situations. Right. And it comes yeah. easier for some guys than others. It's naturally ingrained in some guys um, more so than others. But – and I think it also really helps out their young coaches um, to where the coach doesn't – like, the coach – there's times where the coach doesn't have to say anything or the coach doesn't have to do anything. All everybody's got to do is just keep their eyes on the quarterback and follow his lead. One last game I want to talk about. Uh, in the huddle,
1: subscribe. Tuesdays, Thursdays, new episodes. Carl Dukes, Jason Locke on four, Brian Baldinger. You mentioned San Francisco earlier. They drub Tampa Bay, right? Just drug them. 35-7. Brock Purdy looks pretty damn good. Yes, he does. Um, they're what you know. They're nine and four now on the season. All of a sudden, and you're looking at San Francisco, and this was the run we were waiting on, right? We said when they get healthy defensively, they're they're great, maybe yeah. the best defensive front in the league. Tampa's offense is crap, broken,
2: broken. And why? Why is it crap? Well, the part that I really can't figure out is why he and Mike Evans can't connect on a, you know, a little 25 yard go route. You know, Uh, it seems like when when Evans is wide open, Brady overthrows him by a mile, um, puts too much air under the ball um, or, or, or is affected by the pass rush in that moment and and can't get it to him and then when he does get it to him in critical moments there's there's something on evans like that happens a drop a momentary lap of, of concentration or a bad break uh and that's just something that seemed like it was baked into their cake the moment they those two started playing pitch and catch you know on their own in the spring in the covid year so i don't know how to i don't know i don't know how to like determine how why that thing fell apart but it's just there's nothing coming naturally when he throws the ball to mike evans yeah bonkers
1: jason i think we're going to look back and say this was the first time tom brady in his personal life was dealing with some things and and maybe you could chalk it up to that here's my thing if he decides to play another year i don't want it i'm not taking tom brady I think well, right now, when you look at this and you go, well, he's just going to go to another contender and he'll slide right in. Let's just use the 49ers as an example, right? Let's just say Garoppolo's coming off the injury. Trey Lance is coming off the injury and they go, Hey, Tom Brady wants to go to the 49ers, which allegedly a few years ago, he wanted to. Oh he yeah. Yes. Out, right? So he wants to go home.
2: If I'm Shanahan. I'm not That's taking it. Right. They got to want him back. I mean, that it's gonna. I, and actually I've, I've just filed something on this for the Washington post. Um, a few hours ago. Yeah, it's got to be mutual. And he's going to be super picky and super fickle about where he thinks he can go and win a Lombardi trophy right Bleeping now. And then they got to want him back. And then they got to decide on how long this thing is and what yep. the cap ramifications are. And, hey, how's it going to look if you really do start to decline? And, you know, like p- people don't want to talk about this out loud. Peyton Manning lost his job to, you know, Brock Osweiler. The- he ended up coming back and win the Super Bowl. Like it was an injury at first, and then, like Peyton knows it, Kubiak knows it. There's like a month there where it was a coach's decision. They just weren't calling it a coach decision, but they were playing the quarterback that they felt like gave them the better best shot, chance to win, as, yep. as constituted. With that, push it down the field a little bit and don't turn it over. And 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 then Peyton got it back. But like, how would Tom Brady handle that situation if it's the middle of November and they're stumbling around? And Purdy's lighting it up, you know, with the scout team, and they got to bench Tom Brady. Like, and those are conversations that you better have before you make the signing because it's going to be even worse if if you haven't workshopped that and talked that out or at least put it on the table. And then, you know, you just, you wake up one morning and say, I got to put this guy on ice for a while. So, yeah, I think it's a really limited market. Um, and ultimately, maybe he, maybe he does decide this is it. But I'll tell you one thing. I don't see him back in Tampa under no. any set of circumstances. Now, that thing is over. It's not the team he signed up for. It's not the coach he signed up for. It's not the offense that he he would like to be able to run. There's clearly philosophical differences between him and, and the offensive coaching staff. And he's back stuck with an uber conservative defensive minded head coach which is exactly what he wanted to get the hell away from in New, <laughs> New England. England. Yep. Right. Yep. It's, and he did. He went to the polar opposite Bruce Arians, but it, it ain't that anymore. And they've gotten older and they've gotten worse and they've gotten hurt. So yeah. I, I don't see him in Tampa. I think mean, that ship is sailing. I don't either. And this is not for
1: those who are going to be like, well, it's Tom Brady. It's not Tom Brady. You've seen it. It's not Tom Brady. I mean, I know what Tom Brady looked like, this is Tom Brady. So we can talk about all the pieces around him, but this is like when Jordan went to the Wizards and everybody's like, it's Jordan. Oh, yeah. It wasn't Jordan, okay? Right. It
2: wasn't that Jordan.
1: It yeah. wasn't that Jordan. So it, it, we can talk about it any which way you want, but at the end of the day, he's been so damn good, so efficient, so remarkable in his career that everybody's reluctant to just go, he ain't playing well. He's not any good right now. He can't get it done. And I don't believe that gets better at 46 and 47 no. and 48.
2: I just No, don't. everything around him has to be even Perfect. more ideal. Yes. Right, has to be even more manicured. And that's that's there's again there's not that many teams that I think are going to pass his eye test and then he's got to pass their eye test back. Yeah. I, uh, it's going to be
1: interesting. That's an off-season conversation. we got to get through the season, but they're not playing good. They got beat up. 49ers are surging. Can't wait to see what happens this weekend. Jason, great job as always, and uh, looking forward to seeing what, what results we get and then talking about it as we move forward towards the playoffs. Jason Lock on 4, Carl Dukes in the huddle. Subscribe. Make sure you tell your friends, guys. We'll be back at you on Thursday. Brian Bolting will be here as well. Have a great day, everybody.